So in North America, we have a lot of different awards shows like the Oscars or the Grammys. And these award shows kind of recognize excellence in different fields like um, acting or the best movie, things like that. And what's kind of interesting, or at least I find interesting to watch like or read about in the news afterwards, usually after these award shows, there's a bit of a debate, especially when it comes to the best picture that is awarded at the Oscars. And there's always a debate because people will say, okay, this one that won the best picture should not have really won. It wasn't really the greatest movie of the year. It didn't really receive, didn't deserve to receive this highest honor. So among these award shows, there's always debate about what it means to be the greatest, about what it means to receive honor. And the gospel today really hinges around this question. What does it mean to be great? What does it mean to be great? What does it mean or who should we be paying honor to? Who should we be exalting? This is sort of the debate today or what is behind the gospel today. And Jesus in the gospel really upends kind of the way that people understood greatness at his time. And Jesus really challenges us too as well to reassess who deserves honor, who is great, who deserves to be exalted. So in our society today, just like at Jesus' time, we can consider those people to be great, the ones who have power, the ones right who have authority, who maybe have a lot of money, a lot of wealth, a lot of prestige. We can think of these people as being great. And at Jesus' time, there's something similar going on. And Jesus cautions against this. Jesus talks about the scribes who were seen to be great, or at least demanded this honor from others, who go around in long robes, like to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and have the best seats in synagogues. So whenever I, I read this gospel, it's always kind of hits me a bit hard. It's a bit challenging for me because I, like the scribes, wear long robes, right? I'm addressed by different titles when I'm out and about. And I also have the nicest seat, not in the synagogue, but here in the church. And it's a challenge for me, and I think rightfully so, because it reminds me, as it should remind all of us, that greatness is not found in these things. Honor is not found in these things. It's something quite different according to Jesus Christ. We should be very careful with what we consider greatness to be. Jesus says that these things do not make a person great, but rather Jesus points out the example of this widow. And in doing so, Jesus tells us that true greatness, what we should truly honor is this. Those who have generosity of heart, those who give in a sacrificial way, this is what it means to be great. These are the people that we should be honoring. And Jesus points out a widow in the temple who probably most people ignored. And he elevates her and says, this is someone who is truly great. This is someone who truly deserves honor. Greatness is found not in having a lot of wealth, a lot of power, a lot of prestige, but rather in generosity, to be a generous person, to give really until it hurts. Jesus challenges the people at his time and ourselves as well to reassess really what it means to be great. Thankfully, there are so many people in our church and in our society as well who fill or kind of meet this measure of greatness as Jesus sees it. Maybe they don't receive the proper recognition or honor from the church even, or even from society, but we know I think a lot of people in the parish here, I'm sure, and in society in general, who are generous like this widow, who give in this sacrificial way. We could think about parishes, right? Without literal widows 
or elderly people, people who have children, uh, other people, young people who give in this sacrificial generous way, parishes just wouldn't simply run. So this generosity, thank God, we see in many ways in parishes, in our society, even if they don't receive that honor that they probably deserve or that at least God gives to them. There's a story I read a little while back about a little boy who really exemplified this generosity, this sacrificial giving. And maybe you read this story, I think it was in the newspapers a couple of years ago. Uh, the boy's name was Austin Perrin, and he was living in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. He was about like seven years old. And one day Austin was watching television, like a nature show with his dad. And on this nature show, it's kind of cute, like he was watching uh, a panda, like a mom and a little panda baby. And Austin started to kind of think as like kids his age do, and he started to think like, well, what happened, what would happen to that baby panda if something happened to the mother? And he started to worry and was thinking, okay, maybe this baby would be alone, have no home, have no family. And then Austin started to think more and he said, are there people like that? Are there people without families, without a home who are in need? And Austin started to talk about his dad about it, and, and his dad was saying, yes, there are people in our society like this who don't have family, right? Who don't have friends, who don't have support. And Austin actually asked his dad then, well, can you please bring me to a place and show me people like this? So a few days later then, Austin's dad brought him to a homeless shelter there in his city. And Austin was there and he got to meet different men who were living on the streets, who needed care, and he was really touched by their great need um, not just for physical things, but also kind of the sadness that was there in their hearts. And Austin saw one of these men, and Austin asked his father if he could give to this man a hamburger that was going to be his lunch. He had it with him, if he could give uh, this man his hamburger. So his dad says, like, of course, what is he going to say, right? So then Austin gives this man his hamburger, and it gave him such joy to be generous to this man in this way. And then Austin went home and continued thinking about things, and then Austin said again to his father and his mother at this time, you know, mom, dad, I know that sometimes you buy me toys and other gifts. And what I would like you to do is instead of buying me things, I'd like to spend that money so I can give more hamburgers, more food to the people that I met in the homeless shelter. So his parents were like, sure, Austin, of course. So Austin started to do this to receive money from his parents. And he gave that money and to some food for these people who were living in the homeless shelter. And as time went on, other people heard about what he was doing and contributed money so that other people could get more food there in the homeless shelter and also to spend time with these people. And what I really love most about this story about Austin is that when he did this, when he visited the homeless shelter, remember he's seven, he liked to dress up as a superhero. So he would dress up in like a blue outfit with like a red cape and people called him President Austin. So such a beautiful story of someone who really exemplifies what it means to be great according to Jesus, right? That greatness is really measured in generosity of spirit, of giving of our times, talent, and treasures in a sacrificial way. And even though we might not always recognize them, even if they're in the church or in society, we are blessed to have a lot of these individuals around us each and every day. God certainly sees the generosity of these people, however. God sees the generosity of people like Austin. God sees the generosity of this widow. God sees it, he recognizes it, and he blesses this generosity. We saw this in the first reading in that interaction that Elijah has with this widow. This widow gives to Elijah really what she has, literally the food she has to eat for the next few days. She doesn't really know how she'll survive. 
but God recognizes her generosity, he blesses it, and he multiplies what he gives to Elijah to keep her and Elijah alive. God recognizes when we are generous and God blesses it, he multiplies it, he allows it to bear greater fruit in our lives. It's kind of like a little uh, fable that I've heard before, and and maybe I've, I've told you this before, if I have, I apologize. But it's one of my favorite, and it really, I think, um, exemplifies how God takes that generosity in our life when we are generous with our time, talents, and treasures, and multiplies it into something greater. And the fable goes like this. So a long time ago, in a place far, far away, there was a blind beggar who was sitting at the entrance to a, a, a village. And this blind beggar would come there in the morning with a bowl, and he would beg rice from people who were entering this city, that when they entered the city, he asked them to please give me a bit of rice in my bowl. And as the day went on, he would collect rice in his bowl, and then he would go home at the end of the day, and he'd make this rice, and that would be his meal there for the day. Well, one morning, the blind beggar is sitting there at the entrance to the city, and he hears coming from a distance a great noise that is quite apparent to him, that it's the noise of of the king and his cohort coming into the city. So the blind beggar begins to get a bit excited because he thinks, okay, this great king certainly is going to give me a lot of rice and I'll eat well today. So the king is entering the city and the blind beggar calls out to him and he asks him for some rice and the king gets down off his horse and he comes kind of right in front of the blind beggar and he says something that astonishes the beggar. He says to the beggar, give me some of your rice. So the blind beggar is like taken off guard. He doesn't really know what's going on. He's a bit confused and he reaches into his bowl and he pulls out one grain of rice and he places it in the outstretched palm of the hand of the king. And the king just kind of looks at the grain and he says to the blind beggar, is that all? And then the beggar kind of gets quite upset at this point in time. He's very angry why this king is asking him for his food. And he goes into his bowl again and he draws out one other grain of rice and he plunks it into the king's hand. The king takes it, says thank you, closes his palm and walks back into the city. And then as the beggar is there with his thoughts, he's becoming more and more angry, more and more frustrated at the king, and he kind of starts going through his bowl of rice, kind of playing with it in his fingers to see how much he has left. And as he's doing this, he recognizes that one grain feels different to the touch than the others. And he takes it out and he puts it in his teeth and he bites on it, and he realizes that he's holding in his hands a grain of not rice, but of gold. So he gets quite excited and he starts searching through his grain, grains in his bowl again and pulls out another grain, not of rice, but of gold. And now the beggar is holding in his hands two grains of gold for each of the two grains that he gave the king. Of course, the thought that comes to his mind is, why on earth didn't I give the king everything? So Jesus really does this in our life, right? When we're generous with our time, talents, and treasures, when we're generous, when we give really sometimes even till it hurts, God sees this as greatness, and God honors this by multiplying our efforts. So let us then try to imitate this incredible widow that we hear about in the gospel today, who truly is great, truly is worthy of honor because of her generosity.